0: Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five star review. That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. Are you a woman of color in tech who feels stuck because you don't see people who look like you, you lack support from someone who truly understands your journey, and you want to overcome obstacles that you're facing in the tech industry? If you want to elevate your pay, become a leader at your company, be noticed by colleagues and executives to advance in your career, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my private coaching program and is now open. I'm only accepting a limited number of people to the program, so apply today at tlmintl.link forward slash tech trifecta. Hey, welcome to episode 191. The topic of this week's episode is Love Yourself Now. My guest this week is Jane Tornator. Dr. Jane Tornator is a therapist, speaker, and author based in Seattle, Washington. She has been in private practice for over 15 years. Her style incorporates compassion, curiosity, deep listening, and heartfelt optimism, along with powerful shots of playfulness. Jane has dedicated her career and her life to helping people love themselves and have self-compassion. Before going into private practice, she spent two decades working in the field of Alzheimer's, including research and working for the Alzheimer's Association. She has authored over 20 articles and published a book, Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, A Roadmap for Self-Acceptance. Hi, Jane. Welcome to Trina Talk.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I am so excited about the spontaneity which you create.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? You have good energy. I'm getting good vibes from you. So I I know this is going to be different from my other therapist interviews. So right. this is going to be fun, um, which I, I love. I love when people actually make me just smile and have fun. So I love that. Yeah. Um, before we get into, you know, the meat of it, how I always start my show off is I ask the guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Jane that you are today.
1: And we have how long? <laughs>
0: Give us the cliff note version.
1: <laughs> well, the the saying I have on my business cards, you know, back when we used to use business mm-hmm. cards is love yourself now. You don't have to wait. So kind of how I, my mission in the world is to help people see what gets in their way of the unkindness that we give to ourselves frequently. Like I work, I draw perfectionists to me, right? So they're very mean to themselves and they feel like that's the way to make themselves better. So I'm on a mission to help us all still achieve and still be the people we're we're working towards being, but in a kinder, gentler, more fun, compassionate way. Mm-hmm. Now I became that way because I I am one of those perfectionists who just had the just nastiest committee in my head that told me that, you know, that I just believed that the best way to motivate myself was to tell myself how sucky that job was. You could have done better. Why didn't you start earlier? What's wrong with you? And I felt awful all the time, no matter what I would achieve. I felt awful. So I thought, well, there's got to be a better way. So that's when I started my path towards self-love Actually, there are many things that set me on my path towards self-love, but um, but I'm using all the work and tools and the possibility for change to help others do the same thing. So that's why I'm here in the world.
0: I love it. I love it because I too am one of those people right? <laughs> that, you know, beat myself up on, you know, you're so stupid. Why? You know, you're smart, but you're stupid. Why did you do that? You know, right? made a poor choice, poor to- that,
2: uh-huh. you know,
0: and we're always, we treat ourselves worse than what we would treat someone else. Right. Yep. So, oh my goodness. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I need to have you here talking to you and we're going to get into your book, which I love the title,
2: Yay! <laughs> love the
0: <laughs> title. So you're teaching people how to love themselves though. So, so let me tell the listener. So you are a therapist. You're a speaker and you're author, but being a therapist, um, one would think you're just kind of just listening to people's problems, but you're getting into really helping them be self-aware, um, loving themselves. Tell us about your style of therapy.
1: Okay, great question. I'm actually, I was just reading this book on coaching and I'm reading this book on coaching going. Well, that's what I do. Well, that's, that's what I, and so I'm thinking, I think maybe I've, I'm not a therapist so much as a coach because I've therapy, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately and therapy often comes from this model of I'm broken and I need to be fixed and you need to help me because I don't know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. Which works for a lot of people. It doesn't actually work for me because that makes them dependent on me Mm -hmm. and that makes them think that, oh, I'm broken and I need to be fixed, which does that ever feel good, right? Mm-hmm. Who, oh, I'm broken and so I'm sure, like it does. Yeah. So the how I like to come to it is we're all whole. We're all already whole. But what happens as we are hurt, and certainly I became a perfectionist because I wanted to stop myself from feeling that hurt again or that happening again or that making fun of or that shame. So we put up these kind of like what I see as kind of like walls or shields or veils of protection, like that's never going to happen again. So I'm just going to beat myself up. So I'm even better. So nobody can ever tell me that that job sucked or, you know, whatever it is, okay. or that person didn't like me. And I'm never going to let that happen again. So what we do is create these veils that literally separate ourselves from our innate wholeness and goodness. So If we're separated, you know, we can't always seem to focus on is our problems Mm -hmm. versus our wholeness, which is there. It's just underneath a whole bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. So I help people. I don't say I'm going to fix you, but it is, I'm going to help you figure out how to get back to who you are. Mm -hmm. So you now have choice over whether you want to use this tool. If you're around somebody who's really mean, you don't go, oh, well. I guess I'll hang around them because, you know, I, I'm fine. Right. You can go, wow, I, I don't feel good when I'm around this person. I'm going to leave. Right. So we still get to set up our boundaries and our shields from things or situations that are not helpful for us, but we choose them versus them being there all the time.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Choosing and the bound. And I love what you said. Boundaries. Um so yeah, let's, let's get more into that because I'm a perfectionist. Well, I'm type A, you know, the real driven person, you know, I'm, yes. you know, got to go better. I'm not complacent. Got to, you know, you know that
1: I got to do more. I got to get gotta more do accomplished. More. I got to be more. I got it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know that one. Yes. I'm <laughs> Yeah.
0: I'm that. And hopefully this won't turn into my therapy session, <laughs> but I'm, I'm that person. Right. And so are so many other people. Mm hmm. Why do you think that is how did how did we come to be these type of beings? Because we're all humans. We all make mistakes. And like, you know, I can talk to you and you can say, oh, my God, I did this. And I can say, you know what? You're human. We all make mistakes. There's no big thing. But then when it comes to me, Mm -hmm. I don't think about it that way. How how in our mind did we get to this point?
1: Can I get a bit brain geeky on you? Yes. Awesome. So from zero to two, our brains are in Delta waves Okay, and Delta waves are basically like our brain's almost asleep. It's just a total experience. Like when you look at babies, you can tell they're not figuring stuff out. They're Mm -hmm. not being watchful. They're just there. The world is coming at them and they're just little beings experiencing the world. There's no thought about the world. They're just reacting. Like there's no forethought in babies. They just react. Mm -hmm. Right. Around the ages of zero or two to seven, our brain moves into theta waves. Theta waves are the same waves our brain is, are in when we're under hypnosis, right? So when some, this is why we can believe in Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and all this stuff. That adults are like, really? This guy goes down a chimney, he goes all around the world in one night. Like all these, all these um fairy tales and stuff like that, little kids believe them Mm -hmm. because they don't have the ability to critically think, is that possible? Mm -hmm. So when we're in theta state, when we hear stuff, and I don't know if you heard this when you were a kid, but I did, I heard good girl, bad girl.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't hear "Um, that behavior was not appropriate. (laughs) We're not going to do that again. You know, I heard bad girl. You don't do that. Right. And so my little theta brain went, right. I'm Mm. bad. Yeah. Because perfectionists never are, you know, like we never are. I did all these good things. So I'm good. Oh, now I did this bad thing. So now I'm bad. We're like, I did one bad thing. So I am, I just, I'm just screwed. Right.
2: Mm.
1: Our, our bad quote bad things, our imperfect things determine kind of our worth versus I do most things pretty darn well. I do many things. Okay. And I do some things pretty badly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't define myself by the good stuff because our little theta brains, we heard bad and that our brain sticks for negative and hmm. so we feel bad. Like if our parents or anybody says, you're bad, that feels awful. Yeah. Right. So we're going to do what we can to not make that happen. And it has to be about us. At seven, we're not going, wow, my mom's really stressed right now. She's yelling at everybody. I think she's having a hard day. Poor mom. Like we don't think that. Right. We think, oh man, I just really made my mom mad. Oh, I'm awful. How do I not do that? How do I get better grades? How do I? So the perfectionists, we figure out how to be better to make everybody happy. So we are not yelled at. And not that our parents are doing anything wrong, right? I once read this book by a, a therapist who was working with this woman. I wish I could remember the book, but she worked on Wall Street. and she was She was always the smartest person in the room, but she always had this major self-sabotage before a big deal came through. And she was like, I don't know why I keep doing this. But he was working with her and she had this memory of when she was just a little kid and she and her sister were having lunch and her sister was having a Popsicle. And she said, mom, I want a Popsicle. And her mom said, you can't have a Popsicle. You haven't finished your lunch. She's like, well, Susie's having a Popsicle. Why can't I have a Popsicle? And mom said, well, you didn't finish your lunch yet. When you finish your lunch... You get to have a Popsicle. Susie finished her lunch. She gets her, she gets her Popsicle. No problem, right? Basic parental behavior, establishing boundaries around eating. Great, right? Her little theta brain went, I don't deserve the prize. My sister does. but So that's where her theta brain went. So it's not that, I mean, some of us have parents who could use, you know, a lot of therapy, Uh but some parents are just doing their best. They're stressed or they're just establishing boundaries and our little non-critical thinking brains take it as I'm the problem. Uh But if we're the problem and especially with, you know, families with violence or um, addictions, if Uh we make ourselves the problem, we have some hope of fixing it (laughs) and making it better. Mm-hmm. It's wow. It's too dangerous for our little kid brains to say, oh my goodness, my family's really messed up. This is not a safe place. We can't, it's not safe to think that because we're helpless, right? Yeah. We can't live on our own.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then we take that into adulthood yes. and it just manifests.
1: Because, you know, our beliefs are just thoughts we keep thinking. We think, we think, we think, and then it becomes an unconscious belief. And 90% Mm -hmm. of our thoughts and actions are unconscious.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, when you've got those habits you want to change and you know, they're a good thing to change, you know, it'd be super useful and you really (laughs) want to do it. And you keep not changing. Yeah, That's because there's some unconscious belief like this woman in wall street with the popsicle Oh, I don't deserve that. Oh, I don't deserve self-care. I don't deserve that for me. I have to take care of all these other things first. When I do all these other things, then I get, you know, all these unconscious Mm -hmm. beliefs. So we just uncover them. I say just, right? But we uncover them and then we have choice. I just babbled on a whole long way there. I hope that's making sense. No, but it it does. It
0: It makes, you know, perfect sense. And it's, oh my goodness, it's. So, so how do we, and, and this is what you do, but how do we reverse that after 30, 40, 50, 60 years yeah. of thinking that way? How, how do we change?
1: That's a great question. Um, I am a huge fan of little itty bitty steps. Okay. Because big steps, which is what most of us are taught to do. Okay. I'm going to. I want to. I want to get into shape, so I'm going to exercise an hour a day for five days a week. Mm-hmm. To set these goals, which really aren't possible, and they bring up what I call inhibitors—the mm. the the beliefs we have formed unconsciously that says you're not allowed to do that. And it's like a pointing. Nobody, you know, it's this is, you know, this is on um, audio, but I'm pointing my finger. You can't do that, right? This is the voice we have in our head. So what works to get around these beliefs to get around that part of our ego that's like you you can't change it's not safe to change you are not worth it you're not whatever our own internal messages mm-hmm. you do little changes and then you see that you survive like oops sorry my little head thing it, my I apologize for that my I hope that's not bothering you <laughs> i had it off and then it, it keeps turning on again um so Where was I returning So little changes? So for instance, let's use the exercise because we're about to hit the new year and everybody Mm -hmm. and their mother wants to get in better shape. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that we make it a determination. And by the second or third week in January, we're not doing it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So you choose something little. I'm going to walk for five minutes today. And then you notice the resistance that comes up. I want to have time. It's wet out. But you notice and you go, oh, okay. So there's a big part of me that doesn't want to, but this is important to me. Right. Right? When we reify that I am important, what I want is important. It's kind of like a, a conscious balance to that unconscious. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy. Other things are more important than what is good for you. So it's a two-step process. It's it's awareness of the inhibitors that come up, the things that stop us, but mostly they're unconscious. We make them conscious and then we go, but this is important to me. Like, I'll tell you a story that a friend of mine, I used to, um, my coach is on the East Coast. So before COVID, I would fly out there for, you know, the three-day workshops. And I'm a West Coaster, right? I'm in Seattle. I'm not a morning person. So I would get out there, meetings would start at 8 a.m. Eastern, which is 5 a.m. Pacific. And I would go to the meetings and sit all day, and I was exhausted because I didn't exercise. And I always and I wouldn't ever exercise at night because then we'd go out for dinner and drinks and just talk. So I would feel like, you know, I wouldn't feel good. But luckily, I have a friend who's a coach who lived out there, and she said, you know, you want to exercise, but you don't want to get up at 3 a.m., right? I'm like, I don't really. But she said, what happens if you said to yourself, I'm the kind of person who exercises in the morning? And I, I said it and I immediately got excited because I liked that idea because I knew I would feel better, but I also knew there's a part of me that's like, no, it's going to be 3 a.m. That's too, you're going to be exhausted. So I felt that inhibitor, but all day I kept saying, I'm the kind of person who gets up in the morning to exercise. So I said it all day. I just repeated it because remember beliefs are thoughts. We keep thinking. And then as I was setting my alarm, I'm like, should I? No, I'm the kind of person who gets up early to exercise before my, you know, workshop. So I set my alarm and I, it went off and I was like, it's too. No, I'm the kind of person who gets up early to exercise. Tina. Tina. I got up that day and I went for my half hour walk. I felt awesome. I did the same thing the next day. And ever since going back east, I would do that. Because I told myself, because it's true, we make these, we want to make these decisions, these choices, because they are important to us. Mm. But those unconscious beliefs come go, no, they're not. They're not really. But it takes us consciously going, this is important. This is what I choose to do. This matters. I matter, I want it. So little statements like that, they're tiny, but they make a difference and they seep into our unconscious if we repeat them.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: and, and
0: that's the thing. Okay, so if we repeat them, now here's my here's my thing. So like the whole affirmation thing, it's like, okay, right. I have affirmations that I say, well, like when I'm thinking about them, but usually my mind is, I'm an overdrive person. So my mind is always going right. I'm yeah. always thinking about something. So, and I, I know people are going to probably call me, won't write me about this, but anyway, um, I know people say, oh, you know, every morning you get up and you should say your affirmations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I do, know, that. Right? <laughs> me, I don't do that. I don't do yeah. that.
2: I don't Yeah,
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, you know where I'm going with this. So. I do. Yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me how I can. What What do I need to do? Is that something I should be doing? I shouldn't be doing what? Ooh,
1: well, I'm going to give you something before we get to affirmations. Okay. Because if I were queen of the world, uh-huh. I would ban the word "should," "must," "have to," and "need." Oh, yes. Right, and they are the Bible for perfectionists. Mm-hmm. They are an integral part of our vocabulary. We say them all the time, right? What? They cause us stress. Like say something, what's something you need? Oh, say I need to wake up and do affirmations in the morning. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Say it out loud.
0: I need to wake up and do affirmations in the morning.
1: And close your eyes. And how does your body feel? Stressed. Right. Yeah. Nice. And where do you feel your stress in your body?
0: Yeah. Uh, Everywhere.
1: Everywhere. Okay, great. So we say these things to motivate ourselves, but we actually the thought of it gives us stress. And our mm-hmm. unconscious, if the thought is to, is giving you stress, your unconscious is like, well, don't do it then. You don't want to feel the stress, right? But if we say words like it would be helpful or it'd be a good idea, like everybody, you know, affirmations is, everybody talks about it. I've got my own daily bob with affirmations. So I've got a love-hate relationship, but I found a way to make them actually work for me. Okay. And I'll share that. But first, say... Whichever one you want, it'd be helpful or it's a good idea to do affirmations. Okay. So
0: it would be a good idea for me to do affirmations.
1: And what are you feeling your body?
0: I I felt a a release. Yeah. I didn't feel as tense as I did when I said I should.
1: Right? Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So just the way we talk, should, must, have, to, need are words that contract us. Mm. They make us feel more stressed. So we're not going to do something that's good for us. If it intrinsically feels stressful, we're just going to push that away, right? Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, we're told to do affirmations and they do, when we do them in a way that works for us, they are helpful. Just brain science wise, they, they get the neural pathways going and they start to shift our beliefs. The thing is when we make them work for us, then we'll actually do them and we'll feel good about them then we'll do them and then we'll feel good. And then we do them mm-hmm. versus I should, and I feel bad. So I'm not right. So, we're just changing the pattern of how we relate to what we want to do. Actually. Mm. So first ban should, must have to need and for men, Westerners gotta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and replace it with, it's a good idea or it'd be helpful. And. Some people say, I want to, and I tell them only say that if that's really, really true. If I said to you, oh, Tina, I want to do my taxes. My my body would contract because I'm lying. Right. Right. This isn't about saying it right, which -hmm. is the problem with affirmations is people have a right way to say them, whether it works for them or not. So it is saying what is true. It would be helpful. Do I want to? No, but it is helpful. Right. So we get a little less stress in our body. Then we make the affirmations work. So they feel good for us versus making us feel bad. Because remember those inhibitors I talked about when I was in grad school, I was reading Wayne Dyer's. You can have it all. Okay. And I got so upset because he said, how you think determines your future life. And I went, I am screwed. I was in grad school. I had no money. I was stressed. I was depressed. I was not in good shape. And I was doing affirmations of, I, I am wealthy and have lots of time, which was such a lie. I was in grad school. I was lying to myself. So I'm like, I suck at affirmations. I'm screwed. My whole life will be bad. So this is where I took affirmations, right? But I discovered this woman named Dana Wilde in this book called Train Your Brain. Oh, it's so good. But the real point was, she's like, make affirmations feel good, just like should, must, have to, to. It's a good idea. So, like, um, for the take, my I'm wealthy and have plenty of money. I would say I, I don't know what I would say back then, but what I have people do is when they want something, like say, I want to be in better shape. Um, we don't say I'm in great shape, right. Because we're lying. We want to be in better shape. So we don't think we're in great shape. But if we say, I'd like to be in better shape uh-huh. or I want to be in better shape, sometimes we can go, well, yeah, that's actually true. I do. Uh-huh. So it feels good to say it. But even that is too much for some people. So then I say, well, do you want to want to be in better shape? And they go, yeah, almost everybody can get behind want to want. Right. And like, yeah, and then they get a little excited, the stress leaves. Mm-hmm. And so I just, so I say, just keep saying, I want to want until that's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't do anything. Then you move to, I want, mm-hmm. you celebrate the fact that you're like, wow, I moved to want, yay me, it's actually shifting. And then when it feels good, you say, I am a person who likes to be in good shape. And you Hmm. can get behind it. It feels good. Your body says, yes, that is true.
0: Wow. So that's, that's really, yeah, that's a good way to look at. And I never thought about that. The should have to and need to, because yeah, when you, when I say that I'm automatically, I feel myself getting tense.
1: Yes, me too.
0: Yeah. And you're right. And it's like, yeah, if you're going to feel like that, you're like, yeah, I really don't want to do that. You know? Right.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Our brain <laughs> seeks rewards. Yeah. So when something when we when we have a feel good with whatever we're wanting to do, the brain's like, well, let's figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because yeah, if I say I should or have to, I'm going, yeah, I'll go take a nap. <laughs> I take a nap instead. That's too much pressure for me. So I go take a nap.
1: Right, right. (laughs) My favorite escape is naps. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Oh, that, you know, that is amazing. And how just changing a few words changes how your brain accepts what you're saying. It's just, yeah, that's, that's, interesting and the self compassion yeah. um get into that having self compassion and then we're going to go into telling us about your book
1: okay um do you have any particular question about self self compassion because i could go on forever
0: well tell us your favorite aspect because as far as um let me see because we talked about how we're basically the stinking thinking, how we, we would yeah. talk to ourselves and tell but <sighs> compassion and, and and I'm, I'm guilty of this. And it's took me a long time to forgive myself. Yeah. Forgive myself about past mistakes I made, poor decisions. Um, and it is it re- really hard. And even now it still kind of comes up and I'm like, oh, right. So. How, you know, and it's funny because I have a really good friend when I would go into these spells and have this, I would talk to her and she would say, you know, know your worth, you know, you know, you're a good person, you, you love yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time, even though I understood what she was saying, it took me yes. so long to actually, un, you know, really get what she was saying. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: intellectually, I understood what she was saying, but internally, it took me a while.
1: Yeah, so. you knew it intellectually, but you didn't have the experience of it. Yes, right? yes. And I bet once you had the experience of self-compassion, you went, oh, more of this, please, right? Yes, yes. yes. yeah. It is when we experience it in our body, that's when the magic happens. Mm. That's when it becomes real versus a theory. And perfectionists are super good at beating themselves up for not living the theory. I should mm-hmm. be kinder to myself. Self-compassion, everybody does self-compassion, I should be self, like, this is what we do, which is not compassionate. So one of my, I've two go-to, I've got a lot of go-to sayings actually, but two that relate to this are, um, I'm human. Uh, uh. Oops, there I go being human again. Uh It's perfectionist by definition, think that everybody else gets to be human, but we somehow are not allowed to be human and have human frailty, like we will let anybody else have, right? Right. We have to be different, which is so not possible. Uh So in my sessions, I am always saying, oh, look, there you are being human again. And then people laugh because they're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to be better than than human. Uh Literally trying the impossible and feeling bad because we didn't make the impossible happen. (laughs) So I'm human is huge. And another one is, I am literally doing the best I can. Like one of the things I say to my clients is, um, okay, so you goofed, you did goof, but did you wake up this morning saying, I think I'm going to figure out how to make this person as unhappy as I possibly can. I want to see if I can really mess up this project to my best ability today. And everybody says, no, they goofed. They mm-hmm. didn't, they, you know, they didn't know. The compassionate way is to go, I made a mistake. Own it. Mm-hmm. Which if we're beating ourselves up, it's harder to own it because it feels so bad. Like, wow, I really made a mistake. That's that's on me.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: what would I do differently? What or more precisely, what do I want to do next time?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we get to learn from it so we actually are able to get better. But if we're just beating ourselves up, all we're doing is beating ourselves up. We aren't actually Figuring out how to not happen again. So it's a really waste of energy and exactly the opposite of what we in our hearts want to have happen.
0: Yeah. And because we when we beat ourselves up, we think that the beating ourselves up will make us not do it again.
1: Yes, we do. Or here's another thing that I found in myself. I I don't do this anymore because I finally kind of went, oh, this is not working. I used to beat myself up so much because I figured, and I would tell the people that I had goofed up with or whatever, yeah. or, or anybody else I would say, Oh, I'm so bad. It was so awful was, because I realized if I beat myself up enough that they won't because oh. they see I'm already in so much agony. <laughs> that they can't add to it. Right. This was my thinking. So what do I do is make myself way more miserable than anybody else ever would in order to, Prevent. Remember these these shields we put up right. in order to prevent anybody else from being mad at me. One, wow. it's it's one. It's we do a much better job of beating ourselves up. Yeah. But two, it's also manipulative because if we goof, other people actually get to be mad. Hmm. Like they get to be mad if we goofed. It doesn't mean anything about our value, and that's where we perfectionists get confused. Like, I will tell you a story. It's so sad. I was in grad school at the age of 35. And there was a child psychologist up on this stage. We're all like, oh, yay, this famous child psychologist. And she said, your children are not the sum. They aren't good because their behaviors are good. They aren't bad because their behaviors are bad. And I went, literally, I'm 35 going, I know she's the expert, but she's wrong. If I do Mm -hmm. something bad, I am bad. That was my belief, but she was the expert and I was curious enough to know, and I was a student going, well, maybe there's something to think about here. So I I really, I just worked this one. I'm like, how could that possibly be true? And then I realized, oh, my actions can be problematic, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. me as a person becomes bad. And it took that in order for me to even start this slow process of wow, I really goofed, but I'm still okay. Wow, I, I messed that one up too. But I'm actually still trying my best. I goof, but I'm trying my best. How do I want to shift it? So it's that kind of little moment by moment self-forgiveness of oops, there's my humanness. I yelled it, I yelled at my cat again. Oh, oh it's because I was stressed. Okay, yeah. so what do I want to do next time I'm stressed and my cat does something that, you know, whatever. So it's little moments of self-compassion. I'm doing the best that I can. How would I like to do better? Or, which frequently works for people who just can't even get beyond, get behind that, is imagine a little kid who just did what you just did. And imagine what you would say to this adorable little child who just messed up and feel so bad Mm -hmm. and what would you say to them and then you turn that on yourself Hmm. I used to get so mad when my friends when I was a beginning therapist and they would say well what would you say to your clients and I'm like shut up I don't deserve to say to myself what I say to my clients like literally this is what I thought (laughs) now I get the question I'm like oh great question what would I say because I'm Mm -hmm. so much kinder Hmm. My clients, and actually, I'm so much kinder to myself than I used to be because of this practice. But it's like, oh, I'm human. Oh, there I am being human again. Mm-hmm. And another option is to look, imagine yourself, or imagine this little kid, and what would you say to them? And then feel how it says, how it, how it feels to give this kind and compassion. Wow, that, that was really hard. I know that was a mess up. Oh, feels awful, huh? What can we do? Right.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so really like they say, you know, your mind is everything. So if you really change your mindset, you can change your life.
1: Yes. Cause we think everywhere. I've seen studies that go from 6,000 thoughts a day to 70,000 thoughts a day. If we change our, and most of them, 70 or 80% are repetitive. And 70 or 80% are negative. I can never remember which is 70 and which is 80. But repetitive, negative thoughts. Oh, if yeah. we change, just a f- if we get rid of should, must, have to need, yeah. think of how many thoughts that's going to take care of. If we take the time to go, oh, I'm I'm hurting right now. I messed up. Oh, it feels bad to mess up. Yeah, it does. I don't like it. I know. It's hard. It's so hard yeah. to mess up. It really is. But, you know you're still trying your best. You are. I should have done better. I know you think that, but you're human and you're going to make mistakes. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Self-compassion. It's so hard for many of it because, but the inhibitors come in. No, I'm not going to do it right. If I do that. Mm-hmm. So you do it on little things like, right. Oh, I didn't make my bed today. You know, I, you know, or I'll just go make it now. Or mm-hmm. I didn't. Oh, But if we start with the little things, it's easier to build up to bigger things.
0: Yeah. It's all about the mind and how you look at things. And oh my it goodness. Is. So it, yeah, it is real. So your mind, you may not physically need to do anything, but just change your mindset to help you get to where you want to be.
1: Yeah. And when we change our mindset, The physical stuff is easier. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) It's it's so much easier when we focus on how we think about things. And our bodies are really good cue for, for showing us if our thoughts are working, then we feel more relaxed. We feel more open. We might even feel a little happy and joy. Mm -hmm. If, if our thoughts are not working, we feel tense. We feel contracted. We don't feel good. Mm. So our bodies are really good. Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Signals mm-hmm. of what we're doing with our mind.
2: Because
1: hmm. most yeah. of our thoughts are unconscious too. Remember,
0: 90%. Wow. So Jane, tell us about your book. So book. it's, yeah, it's very, I love the title. Everything <laughs> is perfect, just not me.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> I no, I love the title because it makes me laugh. Every single time I hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us, tell us about it. Well, I put in the book, you know, I I spent a long time building up my practice. Like for for so long, I just wanted a full practice of clients that were private pay because insurance, like just working with insurance is not my happy place. So I finally did that. And then because I'm a perfectionist and a high achiever after about six months, I was like, well, now what, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did that. What's next. But really, you know, I can work with at most 18 to 20 clients a week. That's, that's what my energy, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I can do with kindness to me. I can do more, but I'd be so exhausted and not super helpful. Right. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for my clients or me. So I thought, Well, I'll write a book. And then because I give I basic tools, I've got lots of tools, but I've got some that I use with every single client. They're just kind of you know bedrocks for how I work. Should, must, have to need is one of them. (laughs) Um, so I thought I'll just make this little book, it's just a little book, and um to give these kind of core bedrock things to help people be kinder to themselves, to help us allow our humanness a little, with a little more compassion, hopefully a little more humor, a little more kindness and should must have to is right there. And I also talk about the brain science behind of why this actually works to be Mm -hmm. kinder, why it's actually better for us and helps us change more quickly.
0: So can you give us a couple points of what you have in the book?
1: Yeah. So, um, One, and my, oh, my mind just went completely blank. I will give you the last one, which, especially when men read it, they're like, their minds are kind of like, ah, I can't do this. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a big leap. So I will tell you the story um, that got me to this tool. And then I'll tell you the tool. I was, I think in my early forties, and I went to hear this woman talk and she was probably about 60, 65, not the ideal, you know, 90 pound (laughs) person that, you know, we think we should all be because of this is what the wackiness that we think is true. Um, but she said every morning she was, she was up there helping people love themselves more. So she said, every morning I get out of bed and I sleep naked and every morning I get out and I stand in front of my mirror and put my arms up above my head and go, hello, gorgeous. And Tina, I am so sad to say my first thought was You can't do that. You're not in your 20s and 90 pounds. Who do you think you are? That was my first thought. Mm. And, but I was aware enough to go, Jane, Hmm. that's not a happy thought. Like, I felt awful. So I'm like, okay, there is something for me here. So I went home, and the next morning I got out of bed and I looked in my mirror and went, hello, gorgeous. And then I immediately contracted because it was too much, it was hmm. too much because I wasn't 20 and 90 pounds either. Right. Right. So I'm like, oh, so here are the inhibitors. I don't yeah. get to love my body. I'm not, quote, perfect in the mm-hmm. weird view we have of what perfect is. Oh, my goodness. But. um, uh, So I was like, but this is how I want to be like, I would love. I would love to see my body as it is and love it. Mm -hmm. So I did it every day. And I've been doing it. Now I'm almost 60. I've been doing it for almost 20 years. And I can tell you now, because I was committed and it was important, now I go, hello, gorgeous, with my hands over my head. And I will now look in the mirror for the parts of my body that I particularly like. Mm. Now I can tell you, I'm not in better shape. I'm not younger. I don't weigh less. I love what I see in the mirror. Now, Mm -hmm. not all the time, but now more when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, look at that. Oh, I love your eyes. Or that hip line. That's really cool, that hip line. Mm -hmm. So giving ourselves little moments of praise and appreciation pay huge dividends. Like how many people do you know? like their body more at 60 <laughs> than at 40. I, not a lot. Right? But this is what is possible. Yeah. Now, for some people, that's going to be too much and they're not going to continue on, just like the affirmations. So I had someone who is a friend of mine. She's like, Jane, I can't, it's too much. I can't do it. I feel too bad. But I can look at my eyes and go, I like my eyes. Mm. I love my eyes. So that's where she started. So like anything with affirmations, with any behavior change, we we go to where it's just a little bit of a stretch for us. And that will create way more dividends than, you know, I'm I'm a perfectionist, so I decided the hello gorgeous was my way to go. It took a long time, but find the way that works for you. So that self-appreciation is so powerful. And we don't do it, especially as perfectionists. Yeah. Say, oh, like one thing I decided I used to work for the Alzheimer's Association and I realized it was really hard for me to say, thank you. People would say a compliment and I'd go, oh, I'd I'd push it off. Oh, it's not a big deal. Or, oh, I should have done it better, whatever. And I knew that this didn't feel right. And besides it's, it's pushing away other people's compliments. And how was that helpful for them? Right. So I decided I was going to have a practice of saying, thank you. And then shut my mouth. Like don't, don't let anything else come. So I would do that. I was practicing, Jane, nice job with that client. Thank you. Mm, you know, cause I wanted to say, oh, was, I should have done better or, you know, whatever. but I did this enough. And one day I turned in a report early and the woman I was turning it into said, wow, nice job. You're getting it in early. That hardly ever happens with people. And I'm like, I know. Right. And I went, mm. did I say that out loud? I just complimented myself out loud to another person. So just by saying thank you and not pushing away the the compliment, mm-hmm. I unconsciously got to the point where I could compliment myself without having that inhibitor. Like literally I said, I know, right? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, just, I said that out loud. <laughs> You're and like, she huh.
0: Wow. Wow, just yeah, is you know, it's just. And I know you know this because, you know, you're a therapist and, um, but just your thoughts and getting to that point where you can recognize that you are saying something in that perfection mode or something that's really not helping you. Um, yeah, that's just, is, is amazing. Cause I've heard, like I heard, um, heard someone, I don't know if it was a TED talk or something like that, but the lady basically was saying how uh, she was in debt. And at first she was thinking, oh, I need more money. I need more money. She's like, but then I changed my thinking and it wasn't that I needed more money. You know, it was how I was thinking about things. And she was like, as soon as I changed my mind, how I was thinking about things, she said money started coming in. She started getting debt paid off. And I was like, yes, can you really do that? I'm like, hmm. But now I understand what you're saying, because if you're, you're, if you're thinking the negative, that's what you're going to get.
1: Yes. There's something called the reticular, reticular activating system. And it's basically our, we are searching for what we believe is true. Mm. So if we're searching for, oh, I don't have any money, I don't have any money. Oh, I'm so stressed. How am I going to pay that bill? Oh, I can't afford to buy that. We're searching for evidence that matches that. Mm-hmm. But if we're searching for evidence of well, I'll, I'll actually give you a story from my own life. It's, it's just weird. This story makes no sense to me, but this is how our brain works. So I was starting my practice and I didn't know how to market. So it was a slow go, Tina. So I didn't make much money. And I, but what was really interesting is every year I would make more money, but I would still be, I still not have enough money because mm-hmm. my belief was I don't have enough money. So I'd always be searching for, oh, I don't have enough money for that. I don't have enough money for that. I don't have enough money for that. So I did two things. I'm like, this, my mindset is not working because every year I'd make more money. I would pay off more grad school debt, Mm -hmm. but I would still at the end of the month not have enough money to buy shampoo. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm making more money. I have less debt, but I'm not, I don't have any more money. It doesn't make sense. So I did a practice where one, I started hearing about gratitude and how powerful Mm -hmm. gratitude is. So I started feeling gratitude, not listing things because I'm a perfectionist. So I critique my list of like, really, Jane, you're going to list your cats again. Can't you come up with like, so I wouldn't feel good with it. So I would physically feel gratitude in my body for like 20, 30 seconds before I got out of bed. And then I bought myself a cup of coffee a week, whether I could afford it or not. That's how my mindset was. I was that lack focused. So. I did it like I would buy that cup of coffee, even if I didn't know I was going to have enough money to the end of the week. So what happened at the end of the year? For the first time in five years, I didn't make any more money. But I was eating dinners out. I had savings. I wasn't stressed all the time. I was getting multiple cups of coffee a week. I was buying the shampoo whenever I wanted to buy the shampoo. It was weird. That's how powerful our mindset is. I mean, I wish I would have made more money, but it was almost more powerful in my life. The fact that I didn't, for the first time in five years, I didn't make any more money, but I had more money because I was searching for how I had more money. I was feeling gratitude. My life as it was, so it wasn't just. It wasn't just all. I don't have money. It was, and I've got my cats, (laughs) and I got this warm bed, and I'm so lucky that I have all this stuff. Even though I would like more money, absolutely. But look at all the stuff I have now. And so that's kind of the magic of when we when our words make us feel more open and less contracted, and hopefully, like even more joyful and fun we expand and we're just more available for life. When we contract with the should and have and lack, Mm -hmm. we are not available for life to come to us.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that.
1: Just really simple, like a gratitude practice. And for me, it's feeling because lists don't, lists or feel bad for me. Right. And then I bought a cup of coffee a week, Hmm. which back then was like $3, right? Yeah. Super simple tools. But they pay massive dividends.
0: Man, I'm just thinking, like, yep, yeah, I need to change.
1: Nope, you don't. You don't need to. No, I don't need to. to. Yeah.
0: I want to. Yeah.
1: I want to. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually a thing where you could say, say, I want to change. And what's it feel like?
0: Yeah. I, I want, I want to change my mindset. Yeah.
1: How's it feeling in it. your body?
0: I mean, it's it's releasing. Like I said, it's very Yeah. Yeah, it's something that I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. Whereas yeah. if I say I need to, I'm like,
1: right. Ugh. Yeah. I'm like, those words should must have to need when we say them. We are giving ourselves the message and you've already failed. Yeah. So if you need to do them or you should do them. You should have done them already. So even if you eventually do them, you're still behind the games. So you still failed. So they are no win words.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. No
1: ever. win words. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. Just a matter of just, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, Jane, we're going to get into our questions because okay. yeah, we're we're running out of time. Okay. Who or what motivates you?
1: Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. Yeah.
0: What demotivates you?
1: Should must have to need. My <laughs> perfectionism demotivates me. Yeah.
0: When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good?
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, I had a boyfriend leave me in college, and I took it so badly that I thought at that because I thought my worth was if. For me, because I'm heterosexual, if a man loves me, I'm valuable. Mm -hmm. That was my belief system. And I took it so badly. I thought, this has got to change. And Mm -hmm. that breakup is what started me on my self-love path. Wow. Yeah. Huh.
0: What is your fear?
1: The people won't like me. (laughs) That's a lot. Right?
0: Is there a time? When you wish you had done something that you didn't.
1: I always wished I would have gone overseas to teach like English as a second language. When I got out of college before I had, you know, a cat or anything, mm-hmm. I would have just gone and lived in another country. I wish I would have done that.
0: Yeah. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness you know, I'm sure there is, but how I've chosen to be with life is if something quote bad happens, I want to figure out how to be better because of it. Okay. So when something bad happens because of whatever me or somebody else, I'm, I, I, I choose, cause I like, like to re I'm a master of reframe. I'm like, how am I going to let this make me a better person? So I always want to figure out how to make something good out of it, even Mm -hmm. if it's really kind of a mess up. Hmm.
0: What is your definition of success?
1: What a great question. My definition of success is being kind to myself as much as I possibly can and forgiving myself when I'm not.
2: Hmm.
0: How do you recharge?
1: Ooh, I meditate. I love being in the water. I love walking out. And there's a, there's a local park that has woods and water and fields. And I love going out into nature. But playing in the water is my happiest place on earth, preferably warm ocean water.
0: Mm-mm. What are you awesome at?
1: I'm awesome at helping people be kinder to themselves. It's showing them that forgiveness is not only possible, but it actually feels really good and pays dividends.
0: What legacy do you want to leave?
1: I want the people around me, the people that I, you know, interact with in any way and my clients and everybody they interact in any way to love themselves more because we've been in the world. There is more kindness and more compassion and more love. That's Mm -hmm. That's what I want my legacy to be.
0: Jane, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, um, have you for your coaching, a therapy session, the whole nine yards.
1: Awesome. So my website is, I love my website, everydaylove.me. And if they want to sign up for, like, I, I'd like to give tips and tools. I'm taking a break right now because I'm just taking a break for right now. It's super fun. It's, it's my recharge time. But I've got, um, if they go to everydaylove.me backslash body test, I've got a PDF and a video to help people learn to trust their body more, to make decisions with more ease because we tap into our intuition. And I don't know about you, but I used to question my decisions constantly. (laughs) And once I started tapping more into my intuition, I can make a decision and I don't constantly re-question it all the time. I'm like, that's done we'll see what happens. Yep. So I've got a tool to help people learn to use their body to tap into their intuition so they don't so they can make decisions with more ease.
0: Wow. Well, Jane, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, tell us how we can get your book. Is it on oh, Amazon? You,
1: oh, uh, it's on Amazon or um let's see. There might be a on my website. I think there's a button you can push to take you to Amazon. Hopefully it goes to the Amazon um you know, that, that friend, that, the one where it also donates to things. Yeah. That smile. That's it.
0: Okay. Yeah. It should. All right. Well, Jane, thank you for being on Trina Talk. It's been a blast talking with you.
1: Thank you, Trina. And I realized I've been calling you Tina the entire time. <laughs> I so apologize. <laughs> it's okay. I'm human. <laughs> Exactly. It's perfect to have this on a conversation about perfectionism.
0: (laughs) You're human. You made mistakes. That's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so true. (laughs)
0: Well, thank you for being on. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Thank you. It was delightful. Thank you.
0: I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.